Father, we praise you and thank you that we have a gospel to proclaim. We pray that you would remind us today of that gospel. We pray that you would speak to us of how we might speak to others. And we pray that all would be for your praise and your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Do you remember about a year and a half ago, for a few Sundays in November, we had the Church of Ireland census. And as you came into church on those Sundays, every person, you remember these cards and getting them filled in, each of those Sundays, every person in every church, in the whole Church of Ireland, were asked to fill in some details, their age range and their sex. The figures were added up by parish and by diocese and then by the whole Church of Ireland to give us some idea of where we're at and who we are, who is actually attending at church. This past week, The General Synod has been meeting the kind of annual meeting of the church. And the standout figure from the census was 15%. 15% attending church. But that's not 15% of the whole population of the entire island, which probably wouldn't be too bad if we were at that. It's actually 15% of those who identify themselves as being Church of Ireland in the state census in 2011. In terms of total population of the whole island of Ireland, just 0.97% are in a Church of Ireland church on a Sunday. Less than one in a hundred on the whole island. The call to mission was clear and clearly needed. The question coming from the platform time and time and time again was how can we reach out to the people out there? As well as the 85% who think they're Church of Ireland but aren't actually in the Church of Ireland. As things stand, it, it, it sounds really bad. But already we're better off than Thessalonica was. You see, when Paul and his mission team arrived, there were no Christians at all. Last week we heard of how Paul and Silas and the others arrived. They shared the good news of Jesus and a church was formed in just three weeks. Made up of people who had turned from idols to serve the living and true God. But then the Jews got jealous 
and Paul had to flee down, flee town. Sorry. When he sits down to write this letter to the church from Corinth, the people of Thessalonica are casting aspersions on Paul and his team. The people who go to church, their friends, and the people they meet uh, in the supermarket are saying, Oh, I, Paul was just one of those flyboys. You know, he came, he wanted your money, and then he flew off to exploit the next lot of gullible people in the next town. There was no stickability there. You know, if he was around today, you'd maybe see him on Watchdog, you know, investigating his false claims and his false practices or maybe some of those uh, dodgy uh, cowboy preacher channels that you might find on Sky or Freeview uh, towards the, uh, the end. As Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica in chapter 2 he is uh, reminding them of his work among them. In doing so, he tells them what they already know but might have forgotten because all these outside voices are saying, oh, you can't trust him, you can't believe him. You really want to still stick with him even though he has abandoned you and run away. And as he does so, he shows us what we need as we seek to share the gospel of God. The good news about Jesus. Now I know that even as I say those words, share the gospel, or the word on the front of the service sheet, evangelism, that the reasons start flowing. Oh, I, I, I couldn't do that. I'm no good at speaking. I'm too shy to want to speak to someone else about what I believe. Sure isn't that why we have a rector. But Paul shows us how we can do it. Here's what we need together to share the gospel of God. And it might be useful if you have the Bible open so you can see that I'm not making these things up. That this is what Paul says. We're on page 200 in the New Testament. Firstly... Paul says that we need courage. You see, some people were criticizing Paul that he had run away, so just forget about him. But Paul says in verse 1, You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. The fact that Paul can call them brothers and sisters means that they have been converted, that they are part of the church, that his coming was not in vain. In that short period of time, those three weeks that he was there, they had become Christians. And the change was evident. But how did it come about? How did they uh, turn from their idols uh, to serve the living and true God? Well, before Paul arrived with them, with them, he had been in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, where he was beaten and thrown into prison because he had been talking about Jesus. 
when he arrived in town, he could have been tempted to be quiet. Don't rock the boat. Don't stir things up. Anything for a quiet life, especially when the trouble started in Thessalonica as well. But look at verse 2. What was it that helped Paul to open his mouth? He says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully maltreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. Paul might have feared the trouble But he found courage in God. It's the same courage our brothers and sisters find when they're lined up on a Libyan beach to be executed. And yet still declare that they trust Jesus. Now, if we open our mouths, we're not going to be lined up and killed. But we too can have courage in God to invite someone to come along to church or say what Jesus means to you, even when it isn't easy to do it. You see, God is bigger than any enemy, bigger than any opposition. He gives us courage if we look to him and find it in him. But there's more. You see, sharing the gospel of God needs courage, but it also needs conviction. Again, Paul says what it wasn't and then how it was. It's a bit like, you know, if you've ever watched Wimbledon, on TV and you see the people who are sitting along the tennis court and they're back and forth you know not this but this not this but this that's what this passage is like you see already he has said it was not in vain but he had courage to declare the gospel and now in verse 3 it's back at the knots again Uh, look at verse 3 with me for our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery. That's not the way that Paul was doing things. Paul's motives were being questioned. Was he out to deceive people? Was he out to lead them astray? Was he engaged in some kind of trickery? But he says, no, our appeal doesn't spring from those things rather his motive is to please the one who sent him look at verse 4 but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel even so we speak not to please mortals but to please God who tests our heart Paul doesn't please, doesn't speak to please people. It would be so easy to just say 
nice things so that people like you. We could have a very easy time if we tell people what they want to hear. But Paul was sent by God, entrusted with the gospel. Imagine that you have a letter that you write down and you put it in an envelope and you take it to the post box. You have entrusted that to postman Pat or to one of his colleagues anyway. You don't expect the postman to open up the letter and read it and think, oh, they're not going to want to hear that. I'll I'll just change that way bit. They'd be prosecuted if they did that. You expect the postman to pass it on as it is. To deliver whatever has been sent. And in the same way Paul is just the the delivery man. Passing on the message of the gospel. You see, he knows that he has been sent by God. And so Paul is out, not on a people-pleasing mission, but on a God-pleasing mission. The danger is that as we speak about Jesus, as we talk to our neighbour or our friend or our family member about God and about the gospel, we don't want to say the difficult thing. We want to please them and so we don't really mention hell or don't really want to tackle sin or the need for repentance. After all, they they wouldn't really want to hear that. That wouldn't go down well with them. We want to please them. But would that please God? Who sends us and entrusts us with the message of the gospel. Who is it that we are trying to please? In our use of words? Or our absence of words when we don't speak at all? Sharing the gospel needs courage in the face of opposition. It needs conviction to share the good news faithfully. But those together could lead to arrogance. That we have the truth. That we know better than everybody else. Now, some Christians might come across in that way. Their, their manner suggests some sort of superiority. Paul was accused of flattery, of greed, of seeking praise for himself. But even though he was an apostle and he, he could have uh, demanded honour and respect, he just wasn't like that. Rather, in verse 7, he shows us what he was like, as they know, and as God is witness. And what we also should be like, as we share the gospel with others. Verse 7, bottom of the page. But we were 
gentle among you. Like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. Paul takes the image of a nurse who cares for patients. But who is even more tender and loving and caring for her own children. This is how we're called to do mission. Loving the people we're talking to. Caring for them. You see, Paul had this connection with the Christians in Thessalonica, having spent just three weeks there. In that time, he shared the gospel with them, but he shared something else as well. Verse 8. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Now, for some, I know that might be the hardest step, to share ourselves, to to grow closer together, to make ourselves vulnerable. But it comes from that compassion, caring for people, which leads to sharing with people. Perhaps you could take some time this week to think of three people who you care about. Three people who you'll pray for to become a Christian. Three people who you'll start to look for those opportunities to share with them the good news about Jesus. We started the sermon with some statistics. But let's end with a different sort of statistic. On Thursday evening, the exit poll predicted a Tory majority in the general election. The commentators on TV said that it was nonsense. That the opinion polls the whole way through the campaign said that Labour and the Conservatives were neck and neck. The problem was that there were shy Tories People who were certain that they were going to vote Conservative, but they couldn't bring themselves to tell the opinion pollsters about it. Because there was a certain shame. You're going to vote Conservative? After all they've done for the past five years, you're actually going to identify with them? And so they kept quiet. They didn't share what they truly believed. They maybe even pretended to be something else. Let's not be shy Christians. Who might hold the gospel in our hearts. But never speak about our faith. Too shy. Too embarrassed. Too nervous to say that we believe in Jesus. 
that it truly is good news. Sharing the gospel needs courage in our God in the face of opposition. It needs conviction because we're sent by God to share the good news. And it needs compassion as we care for those we share the good news with. (coughs) Courage, conviction, compassion. Perhaps there's one that jumps out at you today that you need to work on and need to develop. Maybe we need to grow in all three. But let's follow Paul's example as we seek to share the gospel so that our existence as a church family, so that our being here Sunday by Sunday and living in the community through the week is not, as Paul says, not in vain. What a waste that would be of those opportunities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that you have given us good news to share. We pray that you would help us not to keep it to ourselves. We pray that we would find in you our courage and conviction and compassion to share the gospel of God with those around us. We pray these things for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.